You gotta start me up. Are we started, Mots? Yeah, we already started. Oh, I thought we were counting in more. Um, we can keep this. <laughs> yeah, keeping it. Okay. No, I'll cut it. I'll cut it later, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying I'm going to cut it later, and then people hear you say in the cut, you cut it later, because then they're like, wait, did he mean to cut that? Or, or is that... <laughs> Nobody is knows. This, what am I doing? Is this like a sliding doors thing? Was there a different version? But, Mots, we started the show a little differently here with Danny... Going old school will start me up. Tell everybody why that is. Well, because, you know, Danny, it's it's episode 26 of Coffeehouse Blunders. And, you know, I thought that not only would we start this podcast by me not telling you that I hit the play button on Zencaster to record, but also because we wanted to change things up a little bit. I think we've come a long way when you first reached out to me and told me that you missed me and I missed you. And I said, let's let's start a podcast together. We didn't know what this thing was going to turn into. And I think we knew that we had passions of of these three topics that we, you know, have rambled on about and aimlessly, I would say. Well, not only our our lives and our lives together and apart, but also tech, coffee and chess. And we try each week to dive into topics around these. And, you know, we've we've had our infamous um, why technology is ruining our lives and also why chess doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But which it still doesn't matter for the record, but it still going. doesn't matter. And technology still ruining our lives. Right. Um, but I think as we went on in and have gone 25 episodes, that's almost like we're almost at like half a year right now. That's right. crazy. Six months in. And, you know, we kind of sat down and we said, hey, you know, what do we love so far about the podcast? What do we think we can improve upon in the podcast? And I think one thing that we really love is not only the topics that we talk about, our lives that we're talking about, how it all blends together, but also, you know, talking and listening to our listeners of the podcast. And we get tons of great feedback. We want to incorporate that a little bit more before we actually, you know, dive into different topics and where things are going to go. Right. And the honest truth is that Mots and I have actually had several weeks at times we had like so many messages like we didn't we weren't able to squeeze them in and we want to be because because i think we had this thought as mott said when we laid out let's talk coffee let's talk tech let's talk chess and then just see where those things intermingle in ways that nobody ever thought they would and they create this little baby called coffee house blunders right so we Mm -hmm. we are the baby of those of this sort of unnatural marriage right and we decided that we don't want to be forced or rigid anymore. We want to spread our wings and we're still going to talk about all those things in every single episode. And that's really sort of how we prepare um, kind of just fun things to connect with the audience about. But we want to be able to not cut off listener feedback or if Mots wants to talk for 25 minutes about the new Star Wars trailer. OK, maybe we won't do that. But, you know, we're going to let Mots have a little more creative freedom because, as he mentioned, it's episode 26. So I want to start right there. Episode eight released a new trailer. Mots. You have 30 seconds. Go. All right. So mind basically blown at this point. Right. Super excited. Interested that episode eight is not in the title anywhere because it should be. But I guess it's not. And why is the text red? I'm still confused on that part. Um, I'm really happy about Luke. I'm glad that he's going to be a major part in this oh, one. Yeah. Um, and I already have our tickets pre-ordered. I went on to Cinerama.com. Pre-ordered them, six seats locked in. It's tradition for the last three years we've been doing this. So I'm yep. crazy excited. No, no, no theories though. I don't have any uh, theories. So but. that's where I come in because Danny loves giving his opinion on things he's not qualified to give his opinion about. Um, so first of all, obviously I was joking about the 30 second thing, but I do have this funny theory where I feel like people are more creative with a little bit of pressure. You got to have a little bit of adrenaline, a little bit of pressure. So it's like, if I tell somebody they have five minutes, there's so much slack in there. If you're like 30 seconds, it's like your brain goes into this mode where you literally are going to say, it's like the Twitter theory, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you can't say it in 140 characters, it's not worth saying, right? Exactly. But so here's my theory on the trailer. First of all, I did not get my tickets yet, though my wife and I were already talking about it. The reason we didn't buy because there's a a graduation for a girlfriend of hers that we may be going to like a party and like you know but certainly me and the boys are definitely going to see it right away in theater um nash and warner i don't know if we'll pull off the full family endeavor but my theory is this the the overarching storyline throughout this trailer beyond of course luke's 
clearly like super powerful presence. He's, you know, they got the infamous line, like I've only seen power like this once before, mm-hmm. like, and I wasn't scared then, I am scared no. now, like mm-hmm. what he's learned, right? And I feel like there's this sort of tempo set up that, you know, he's going to train this girl sort of begrudgingly, but kind of has come to a different perspective in his life about the force and the good and the evil. And that's why he's sort of gone this monk route, right? The cosmic joke route of, I don't really want to be involved in any of these shenanigans, right? So yeah. that's where he's been out with his life. And now you've got this girl who's, we still don't know if she's his daughter, niece, like she's challenging something. And he's, and, and so what I realized though is on the other side, the Kylo Ren side, they're, they're setting up a similar challenge where like we know he's already done the deed with his dad. And if anybody hasn't seen Star Wars episode seven, like, it's Spoiler time for alert. you to, to I mean, it's, uh, it's time for you to go away, right? I mean, you have to stop listening, but um, unsubscribe, <laughs> unsubscribe. But uh, but then what happened was they set up this scene where it looks like he's about to pull the trigger and kill his mom's ship, right? Yes, correct. Because all of a sudden, yeah, like Leia's there, which right, you know, our it was tearing at our, our heart. We're we're not sure if they recorded or or you know started recording. Or filming before or after is is she all CG or is she right real? Is, you know, I, I don't I, know. I, do, I doubt she's all CG, but it's probably one of those where mixtures, right? And I mean, they yeah. you know they finish movies like I mean they finished one with Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? The Hunger Games, yeah. and I mean they've yeah. done this so many times now. But um, so what I was getting to is the dynamic. I started thinking about how J.J. Abrams in Episode Seven did all the things that Star Wars fans loved about the original Star Wars and took. He brought the series back. It's like it's original. It's heading a direction, but you know what? It had all the important characters and had this sort of almost a similar feel to like A New Hope, right? The episode four. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking that that means that this one may have a similar feel to Empire Strikes Back. And that's what he's trying to do in the trailer is make it look like the bad guys are going to win. He's going to kill Leia. At the end, he sticks out his hand and she's going to take Kylo Ren's hand and he's going to be training her now for the dark side. Like, I feel like they're trying to set that up, but I'm thinking huge twist Kylo Ren maybe doesn't kill his mom and maybe when he sticks out his hand maybe he's leaving the dark side and him and this girl are going off on their own direction maybe maybe he's just a super damaged wounded soul and he's and and because everything about him in this preview looks like he's just such a tortured a tortured soul right I mean yeah he's very confused with himself what's going on and I you know I have to agree in some aspects I don't know I wasn't thinking about the switch from the dark to light side but you know I think a lot of episode seven hark on a new hope in general and even watching this trailer there was a lot of things that bled a little bit between episode four and episode five for instance um um reishi is going like into almost like the dagobah system to be trained by this jedi master who is another jedi master yoda who got trained and who was teaching luke his powers you know and harnessing those powers that he already knew that he had and then you know uh, luke finding out about his father but like maybe kylo some sort of family type i don't know you know type of thing so there's these relationships kind of going back and forth and these 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 nods i would say to four and five that um, are coming back. So I have to agree that I think that even if you look at episode seven, I think that there's a lot reined in from episode four uh, in general. There's a lot of paradigms and I think there's going to be a lot of paradigms between eight and four and five somewhere in there. And that's actually really interesting to think about because what you see inside of here is almost like I forgot what the guy's name is. You finally see him. He was the big, huge guy yeah, yeah, uh, that Snoke. was like pro- Snow, Snow, uh, Snoke, right? Snoke. Yeah. yeah which Snoke. is kind of like He's all almost like the emperor, like at the end of episode six, maybe, you know, you get to see a little bit of him. And so that's what I'm kind of interested about to see if they blend the worlds together back and forth of earlier Star Wars, which isn't like a bad thing in general. Right. Because there were such great movies to nod a little bit at them. But that's kind of my 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 more than 30 second breakdown is there was a lot of nods. Uh, to four and five in here. And I do agree that Kylo, he just, he was mad. He was like punching stuff. He was like smashing his helmet. You know, he's very all over the place because uh, he's also young too. I think at the same time, it's very confused. So I- I'm hoping, I'm, I have high hopes. So we were super jazzed up about the trailer and we were just like looking at each other back and forth on the couch. Like, well, right. the backs are this and that. They're on the dark side. What's going <laughs> right. on? Oh my, pre-order the tickets now. Go, go, go. You know, so right. we're pretty stoked, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, anyway, yeah, so I agree. Obviously, we both kind of broke the rules there and did more than 30-second breakdown and gave you my crazy theory. But I agree. Snoke is this big wild card. I just want to say that one last thing because, like, think about this movie is not 
the setting that started with episode seven is not that far in the future. I mean, Luke and Han and all these guys are still alive, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. so who is this person who has not, I mean, the empire has been destroyed. The Federation is gone. Who is this super powerful dude who would have not only risen to the top of the first order, but obviously already been in a position of like sort of legend or God to have this sort of, you know, emotional stranglehold over Kylo Ren. Right. So it makes you, so there's just so many questions there about, cause there's, you know, we, we knew it would be chaos after the end of, you know, the, you know, when the, when the return of the Jedi and, you know, the Empire is overthrown, but but who is this guy, right? So I think that's going to be the big part of where we're going. And so I, I'm going to let you lead us to the next big part of the program because I, I jumped in and, and cheated and gave one more opinion on Star Wars. But well, I know you I have know. some big things you want to talk about today. You want to dive yeah, into I the do, big well, one? I, well, that was probably definitely the big one. But I will say that, you know, talking about the, the time differences, you really only got, I think it's been like 30 or 40 years or so. And we were, I was watching Blade Runner last night because I'm getting ready to go see 2049 tomorrow. Right. Right. Or when this comes out the day of. And um, man, he looks so young in that movie. That movie's so weird. And I'm really excited for the new one because, uh, I mean, Blade Runner is like this classic, weird, yeah. you know, out there, crazy music. You got to, it's almost a cult following type of movie. Right. And I think Heather was trying to watch. She's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on half the time in this movie because there's right. no, there's not a lot of words. It's a lot of weird cut scenes and things like that. But man, um, yeah, he looks so, uh, um, Harrison Ford looks so young in that movie. Uh, and I was, it was interesting because then when you think about now he'll be back again, he's almost essentially doing from in like an episode six to an episode seven where he did like Blade Runner to a Blade Runner. It's so interesting to think about like the, the time, the time I guess that have changed in those movies would be 30 years because Blade Runner takes place in 2019 and this one's 2049. Right. Very similarly enough, how many years have passed since episode six? Well, like 30, 30 some odd years. Kind of crazy to kind of think about actually. Makes me predict that maybe he's uh Maybe his future in Blade Runner twenty four nine also ends with with a very sad moment. We'll see oh, though. No. Very oh, it, no. a lot of a lot of similarities there. Yeah, I, I know yeah. nothing about it, so believe me, I'm not putting any spoilers in your in your brain or anything. So um, no. Well, you know what happened this week though? Even more important than the Star Wars trailer and me buying tickets before you, Danny. Is that it was uh, Papa Bear's birthday? It was my birthday. I was letting oh, you do yes. it. I didn't want to say, "Hey, it's my birthday." No, I'm happy kidding. birthday. No, it was my birthday, and actually, birthdays are birthdays are kind of lame. Um, but they're I hate they're birthdays. fun. I I exactly. Thank you. Right, and I'm not I'm one of those them. like, oh, I hate my birthday, but I secretly love it, and everyone's like, oh yeah, I just say that. Like the people who you know don't actually hate their birthday start mentioning that they hate their birthday two months before their birthday. Yeah, so you don't right? do anything for their birthdays because you know. They don't really want anything to happen on their birthday. Right. So no, but I'm saying the people that say they hate it two months before secretly love their birthday. Oh. And they're and they're they're the ones who are just trying to get you to think about the fact that it's their birthday well in advance. Like I know you actually don't like your birthday because you didn't even tell me it was your birthday. I felt horrible about it. And and like and I, you know, I had no, no intentions. I mean, chess.com posted a thing like wishing me happy birthday, which was cool. That's Sam. He runs our social media. And it was, it was funny because there were some comments like, oh, Danny probably posted this himself, you know, wishing himself happy birthday. And I was like, dude, if you knew, like, I, I want nothing to do with my own birthday, but I am 32. 32 is the new 72. I feel like an old man. I, my body is breaking down. I, um, welcome to my life. Welcome to my life. I, I, you know, I, I want to be, I want to be alone. My body's breaking down. Somebody said like, oh, your thirties, that's like in your prime. And I'm like, I haven't, I haven't hit my prime yet. Or maybe I have, I I lost track of whatever that was. I know I'm not a prime number. I liked 31. I liked being a prime number. Yeah. It's a good solid number to be had. That's where, that's where I still sit at this point. And, you know, I, I'm not a birthday person. You know, I think, uh, like Heather loves birthdays and she always, surprises me and does amazing things for me all the time that I, I don't I'm not I don't even want that like I want but I love you know right. like I super like when someone puts that much time and effort into something you cannot but love them and 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 thank then thank them for everything that they're doing for you and but she knows that like I would just be fine us sitting home watching Star Wars on the couch right and having a beer or something but she doesn't let me just do that because she wants to do more and we both do both back and forth uh, you know very similarly and we, and we love it but well, you- you know uh, what I did last night? Speaking of the you thing do? you would rather do. So for my birthday, I my wife asked me what I wanted and yeah. 
we she made homemade pho, which is Vietnamese soup. Of those Ooh, who don't have good. pho, first of all, it is. My wife is like just an amazing cook, and this pho we're working on it. We should, we know and she knows it's not quite restaurant good yet, but that's because she's she you know she wasn't raised. She's not Vietnamese. She doesn't have a Vietnamese culture and a background. A lot of it you learn is like family recipes, and um. So we love we love pho, and I love one of the things I really love about my kids, and this is really a big credit about this goes to my wife because she is always wanting to eat Thai food and, and, and eat Mm -hmm. Indian food and, Mm -hmm. you know, she makes, makes homemade curries at home and all kinds of stuff. So my kids are just, they're so not the atypical. I I just want to say like American kids. It's like they go out no matter what, do you have cheeseburgers and fries or pizza? Where's the kids menu? You know, they want everything. So Hazel, who was born a uh, Hazel's birthday is a couple days before mine requested that mom make me and her pho on our birthday. Ooh, I like so that. Smart I love cookie. my 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 5-year-old turning 6-year-old daughter and we so we had pho and then we played family board games. And nice. that's what I, like I wanted. That. We had popcorn and here's what we did. Dude, we played Clue and it was it was the first time I played since Warner is now old enough to really handle his own kind of like game where it's not like the thing about a dad that sucks when you're playing board games is when you, you really want to play your own and win, but now you got to help your kid, which is an unfair mm. advantage, or it's just irritating and you're, you know, you're cheating for them and for you. So the whole game is much more of just kind of a family discussion more than like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure this thing out before you. And, um, it was so much fun because I realized that clue is, if you really play it the right way and you play it with people who have good game strategy, it's one of like the purest, I think just like most perfect board games. It's it's like one of the reasons why is because sometimes you used to play where you could guess the room even if you're not in the room, right? Yeah, yeah. You And that's like cheating because a big part of the game theory is not only about whether you have to be in the room to make a guess of that room to eliminate that room on your list of possible places where this murder went down, but also the fact that other people also sort of, as the game goes on, everyone catches wins of like the final couple rooms that it's sort of down to and, and everybody kind of knows what they are and, and, and where you position yourself on the board to get to that room is key. And then if somebody, if somebody summons you, you have to go to that room. So a big part of the game strategy is if you go to a room that you know, they already know, you can summon them and they move across the board to that room. So I don't know if you guys ever played that way, but that's like the real rules where you can summon people. And so like we got to this point where everybody knew the person and the weapon and I won. I barely beat Shauna because basically I I figured out through her guessing, like she made a mistake in her like overall strategy. I was able to eliminate a room without me like going there. Right. And that allowed me to that allowed me to sort of deliver the goods in the end. But anyway, I'm just like I was super jazzed and the boys thought it was so much fun. And I know that. When I was younger, I thought Clue wasn't that fun because I felt like everybody figured out fast, but I realized we weren't playing by the strictest rules and with people that really understood game theory. Like another great game theory is you do a guess where you have all three items, not just two of the items, where like, you know when someone guesses two items and you're like, oh, but I know Shauna has the knife and I know she knows Miss Peacock, so she's really just trying to figure out the room. But if you guess all three things you have, the room goes around and everybody says they don't have it. And they're like, well, clearly not all of those are there because otherwise Danny would have won, right? Because yeah, then they're yeah, like, yeah. well, are you going to make that guess? And you're like, no. And they're like, okay, he was trying to figure out only one thing, but maybe he was trying to figure out nothing. And he was just <laughs> wasting a turn to plant false Mind information. Blown. You plant yeah. false. This is grandmaster level clue, man. <laughs> this is anyway. So that's what I did on my birthday last night. Mike, Mike dropped. I'm done. That's my birthday. That's pretty good. I, I don't. I, I can definitely remember playing Clue. Like you, I don't know when the last time maybe I played was. Definitely when I was younger, and I think that we just cheated all the time. And and right. uh, you and know, so you I think we did not play of, Oh, Clue is kind of lame. Yeah. But then if you but play it again, right? Yeah, could, I think you just got to play it by the rules. And I think, you know, I think what it is is a lot of these games, even the older ones, they have the like quick start guide. It's like, here's how to quickly start, right? And here's not the real rules. Here are the meta rules, the meta rules of how you can get up and running in 10 minutes. But then if you really want to play the game, then you can play it in this full mode. Um, I think we were talking about that one detective game that Heather got me, like uh, um, Scotland Yard. And Scotland Yard is crazy because, you know, there's a there's like a guy on, on the loose and all the cops are trying to find him. But based on how many players you are, you can play in like a quick mode or a more advanced mode because they're like, oh, if you're just getting started playing this this little this mode, right? But you're only using like half the pieces and you're not really playing it the real way. And then we played it the real way. And when you're playing the actual instructions, kind of like how you're, you've, you've, your light bulb of clue turned on here. It's like, oh, you're actually following the rules and you're playing the full rules and everyone is on board with this. And it's like a whole different game. And just your mind is just like, 
you know, yeah. just like yep. bananas. I love it. It was funny because well, Warner, like Warner at the end, this is where he was a little behind, but he was so cute. He was, that's my eight year old. Warner was like, um, he goes, he goes like, dad, like, so, and he was like really asking me, he's like brushing his teeth and we're kind of, we're kind of getting ready for bed. And he's like, so, um, how did you figure out this room? And I give him the answer and he's like, okay, okay. He's like nodding his head and he's like, how did you figure out this? And I'm like, I give him the answer and he's like, okay. And then he's like, but you, you were marking information when it wasn't your turn. Like, what were you figuring out? I said, well, I'm paying attention when it's not my turn. Cause that allows me to get the most amount of information. Like, and then I went through a thing about how mom figured out the knife and it like blew his mind. I was like, dude, like, this is why when you play board games, you actually have to focus and pay attention. You can't just like zone yeah. out and then roll the dice. Right. Mm-hmm. He was like, wow. Like, and so, it, but he was like really into it. It was really funny. So anyway, it was, uh, that was, you know, 36, 32nd birthday and getting old and, you know, but you, you know, so you've been all over the place. You've been, you went to Paris. I understand that you were trying to get the new Super Nintendo uh, classic in Paris. You failed at that. Um, but, you know, so what was the story there? Because I know, I don't want you, I don't want you upset about this. And my heart is with you when you don't have the new SNES. You know, we talked about it like not too many episodes ago when Nintendo announced this thing. And I had told you that one thing that I wanted to do in Paris was try to get the European version because the U.S. version is completely different than the European version. Like it looks completely different, almost like the NES was completely different than the Famicom over in Japan. And they're completely different systems. And I was like, you know what? It came out and we were in Paris. So crazy, crazy Paris stories. Okay, to be had. Because we didn't play very many games, but I played a game of how many electronic stores can I go down and go into and attempt to speak uh, French, which I haven't spoken any in 10 years, and then get turned away over and over again. But I will say this, literally Heather and I landed in the airport and we had like a five hour long passport check line. It was ridiculous. But at that time, it was like 9 a.m. Paris time, which is midnight Seattle time, which is the exact time when the SNES Classic went on sale online. So even though I did have one pre-ordered at Target, like I knew I was going to get one in the mail. So not a big deal, right? I'm like on it. But I was like, well, I want another one. Like, why wouldn't I just want another one? Maybe send it to Papa Bear. I don't know. You know, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to go try to find it. I'm just sitting there on like the French Wi-Fi trying to refresh, refresh. Everything sold out. Nothing's loading. Have it in the cart. Don't have it in the cart. It's gone. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go. And then when, you know, when the day comes where you can buy it in the store, I'm going to go to the store and actually try to get it in Paris. So I went around to, I think, five different stores in Paris are called FNAC, which is like the best buy of Paris, basically. And I aimlessly, I aimlessly wandered around Paris um, after the conference looking for not only coffee, which I did find, and we'll talk about that maybe next week when Papa Bear checks his uh, um, mailbox. But um, Mail time, mail time, mail time. Sorry, that was Blue's Clues. Uh, hashtag five-year-old kids. Gotta have it. And uh, so I did not find an SNES classic European style, but I did get my I did come home to a Target package where I put my I got my SNES classic and I was so busy that it's still in the box in the closet and I have not had the time to actually open it or do anything at all. But the box looks adorable. You know, Mons is busy when he's not he's not opening up the NES classic. Yeah, Um, but it's it's exciting. I have it. It looks super cute. The box is a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. Um, I knew Nintendo has promised that they're going to keep rolling this out and they're going to bring back the NES classic next year. So they're actually going to bring back all of these. So hopefully people can just walk in stores. If you want one this Christmas, I doubt it, but it'd be so cool if, if you could, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic about it. I have a bunch of friends that got one off. Of, one friend got one off the, do you know about this Amazon treasure truck? Do you know about this? Uh, no, I want to hear about this. This sounds oh. like a, a technology thing that's ruining our lives, but uh, let's let's do that. The treasure truck from Amazon is a thing of beauty and failure all at the same time. The treasure truck, this Amazon had this idea of doing one deal a day in a major metropolis area, and they were going to start in Seattle, and you have to have the app, and you can only like order stuff from the treasure truck in the app and Google really quick, type in Amazon treasure truck and you'll know what I mean. Cause it's a ridiculous truck that has gizmos and gadgets and all this stuff. But anyways, here's how it works is the treasure truck drives all over the city. And right now I think it's in five or 10 different cities like New York, Seattle, Amazon probably LA. Okay. Yep. I see. Go ahead. Yep. And, uh, you open up the app and every day, or when not even every day, just whenever the treasure truck wants to roll out. Ooh, like, hey, it was the treasure in Phoenix truck. a couple of months ago. Oh, there you it go. Was, yeah. So oh, it's all over the, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. 
and you you open up the app and you're like, I would like, and in Seattle, it's almost every other day or so, I would say. It's quite often. And they're like, oh, I want a 25 pound of steak fillets, right? And you go pick them up. Or I want the SNES Classic. They actually had them on the treasure truck the day of. So my buddy got one from the treasure truck. And are you looking at photos of it or it's a ridiculous Yeah, yeah. This thing is truck. amazing. It's like a yes. circus on wheels. It's yes. This glorious. Is, I mean, this is a technology. I know it's it's both ruining and improving our lives, but I'm uh, I this is this is this is hilarious. I would actually love to get a ping. Where can I sign up for like push notifications the next time the treasure truck is within a 600 mile radius? I think you, know, you, I mean, you you download the <laughs> download the Amazon app, and then there's a treasure truck section, and you is can it do like that. a little map where you can just see it moving around. That's what I want it to be. It'll the map in the map in the app will tell you where it's gonna be because it only stays in an area for like. Like an hour or two so the, what you have to do is you have to open the app and say oh i want the treasure truck is going to be here i want the snes classic here and in each location they have an allotment so as soon as it rolls sells out in that location they go to the next location but my friend totally got one on the he got his nes classic and his snes classic on the treasure truck and then he opened the snes classic on the treasure truck and it didn't work like he, he like took it home and it didn't work. Oh, it was, was like, a dud. Oh, no, it was a dud. So he's got to send it off to Nintendo. But so mine could be a dud too. I don't know. It's still in the box. So, but if you're in a major metropolis area, definitely look up the Amazon treasure truck because it is glorious. It is like you said, it's a circus on wheels delivering holiday joy. I'm making a note of it right now. I'm literally, <laughs> this truck. is like me. Uh, this is, this is awesome. And did you get, so, so that's what I got. And it's not even my birthday, but I got, did, I was going to ask you though, before we moved even on to this, my, the trips and the, and the stuff that I'm sure we'll continue to talk about for months to come in, in Paris, cause it was an amazing trip, but did, did you get anything for your birthday? Did you get so like did. some new stuff? I know, I know that, I know that originally you were wondering if I had checked the, the mail time, mail time, mail time. time. And by the way, whatever happened to Steve from Blue's Clues? Okay. Not digressing down that rabbit hole, but, um, let's, um, so I, I I haven't, and I eagerly await whatever whatever uh, the Mots the the angel named Mots has delivered. But um, what are we Motsy Claus Santa Mots? Anyway, um, the I did get something incredible for our coffee house uh, blunders episode because mm-hmm. our bo- our boy Luke got me really the the last missing piece to me. I've been the coffee snob that you and him are. I've been aspiring to be that, but basically a moocher, right? I've been like mooching off of his house. And then I've been slowly sort of piecing this thing together. You got me the December coffee dripper. You got me the, the BA swan neck, which I love. I love the feel of it, by the way. And then, you know, I've gotten some good coffees and, um, but I've had this hand grinder, which I loved. And I think I've, I think I've complained slash loved it on this, sh- on this show before, which is, you know, First of all, at first I really loved it, right? I was like, I was turning my my grinder by hand, right? I mean, I was like, you know, you guys have electric, like I'm better than you because I'm even more like old school, you're hard, right? But you're hardcore. I'm you're hardcore. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm changing the measurements of like the grind and have like more of an espresso, like really fine, which can take like 15 minutes of grinding, like seriously. And then um it just, you know, it got to the point where it was like tiring. So the last missing piece, which Luke kind of knew was the, uh, you know, not having the electric, um, I'm sorry, I don't have the brand in front of me right now. What's, uh, it's the, um, the, uh, did you get like you know, a Bodum one? Did you get a, um, it's a, it was, it's the one that he has at his house. Sorry. Oh, it's the, I know what it's called. You know too. What? My it's sister like the, has one. Yeah. The tall one. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, oh yeah. my gosh. I, uh, I owe you fans. I, I can try to Google it right now. Um, but uh I'm try to look it up because i know keep talking i'm gonna look it up and then come yeah, back okay back i bet you. you'll find it okay so the so we got this grinder and that was just amazing from luke and so now i have now i can actually make a super delicious super pretentious highest level coffee snob brew in like three minutes like yes, it's the bar- barazza okay i it's, believe barazza or the, the Capresso, one of those two and now that I have that, now I have to start. Now I'm gonna. Now I feel like I'm gonna pull the trigger on like a nice blue bottle subscription. Oh, yeah. Like I want to get myself something that's coming regularly, and uh, because I feel. And my, I was talking to Sean about it because they, they're expensive. They're they're a few hundred. Not bucks. cheap. Yeah, they're, they're not, not cheap. cheap. And and it, so it was an awesome birthday gift. And that was actually kind of the main thing I got. I, I think my brother, other brother and sister, got me a couple bottles of whiskey. And um, but but that was that's really that was the big the big deal. A sad note was my wife actually got me Arizona Diamondbacks tickets for the playoffs. And then uh, rest in peace, my D backs were just swept by the Dodgers. Oh. So um, 
you know, I don't, I don't really want to talk about that. But I, uh, that was the other big gift was I had like kind of front row playoff tickets if they had made it to Tuesday game four because that was my actual birthday, uh, October tenth. Uh, uh, but yeah. they got swept. It was so my wife was so sad when she told me she was like, she was like, okay, so I have to tell you something tonight, and it was. It was Sunday night before their game on Monday. And I'm like, what? Like, what's wrong? And she's like, well, I got you some for your birthday, but I'm super upset it's not going to work out. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, the D-backs are down 2-0. And if they, I want you to be rooting with me tomorrow because if they win, I got you great tickets for Tuesday. But if they get swept, then it's over. Oh. And and they got swept. And we watched it. And it was just, so it, that, that was upsetting. But anyway, coffee setup continues to grow. As I said, the coffee grinder by hand. The hand grinder is, it's not necessarily bye-bye because... I mean, if we ever go on like a dude's trip or you go camping, Luke and I are already talking about, like, I would love to go camping. That hand grinder is the bee's knees. It's really awesome. But it's going to come in essential. Yeah. Because yeah. you can get a, you can get like a camping, you can just bring your pour over stuff actually with you because you just need a way to heat the water, essentially, uh, a little fire, you know, just heat that water up and then you'll have the perfect grinder. Cause you're not going to bring a whole you know, five or $200 Baratza coffee grinder with you on the road or you're going to bring one of these you're going to bring some beans with you and get it together and yeah i mean i i think there's you know as the coffee collection grows you'll you'll see that you will start to desire other ways of of um of making your coffee right like i said i have the chemex i have the december i have v60 you know i have all these things i have uh multiple ways of of even boiling my water that's a little ridiculous but i only have one grind method so you're you've, you've upped my grind method yeah, dude. So we, I need we are, to, we're going. We're going to Grind Town, the PG right. version. So. Grind Town, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, Dan, Dan, you right. want to get to some? Um, I wanted to. You know, I think that I. I think I don't know. You want to do some listener feedback? How do you? How are you we've feeling? Got, we've got so much. I, I first of all, I'm having a great time with this episode. A little bit of a looser format. I feel like we're discussing things we would have just talked to anyway. But I want to get. I want to get your opinion on one serious topic: the Equifax breach. I know. You said that you were nervous to talk about this, or were you? Or, so I've been. Well, so I, I want to do that thing where I'm adding drama. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm saying words. So <laughs> there you go. Well, let me tell you that one. I want to preface here that I'm not in any way a expert on security breaches, nor on. Equifax. Now, if people don't know what Equifax is, and, and to be honest, you and I were discussing Equifax. Heather and I were watching a lot of Vox videos on Equifax just this week. It's a very of topic, even though it happened a while ago. And we talked about this on previous podcasts and how basically terrible the entire data breach of 143 million Americans of all of their data could possibly just floating around the dark web somewhere. And we had a, we had a listener write in about it too. Kelly was 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 worried and a bunch of people reach out to us on Twitter about this as well. And in my um, non-expert opinion, um, you know, here's the problem with the Equifax is that there's three companies that own all of our data. All of it. All of it. They have all of it and we've never given them permission to collect it ever, right? They just have it. And they're in this triopoly, I would say, not a monopoly, but a triopoly of that they're too big to go under. They're too big to fail. They, they're, The system is broken. Like I've always hated the idea. I remember the first time that I went to go buy a car. So I was out in Arizona. I was working, not making a lot of money. I was still in college, but I needed a new car. And this was the first time that I realized how our system in America worked for this, you know, right. the, your credit, the credit that you had. Right. And I was in college. I didn't have a lot of credit. I did have a credit card. I was building up stuff. I didn't have a lot of debt, which was really good. And I realized, so this problem, I think, I don't know if we discussed this, but the Equifax and TransUnion and the other one, whatever the third one is. Uh, it's, uh, uh, so, sorry, go ahead. I, um, whatever it's a, I, well, there's, now there's like Experian. credit karma on these. Oh, Experian. Experian. Yeah, yeah. So those three all had merged together my dad's life and my life together into my credit report. Mm. Did I tell you this? No, that. I've never heard this story. That's you've a never heard thing. this. So, even before I get into why these this breach is so terrible. So, me and my dad have the same name. We're both James Montemagno. Like that's right. just you know ancestry dot com information. Who also has a lot of our data, which is weird too. Which you also never approved. Yeah, continue. Which you never. Yeah, you never approved. And so here's what's interesting about this is that I went to go buy a new car, and they were just like, Haha, no. And because they're like, oh, you have a house, like you're 21 and you have a house, you've owned multiple cars, you're married, uh, you you know, you've been divorced, right. you, you have all this, all this stuff, right? And you're and like, like, uh, uh, 
uh, it's just a parallel universe, right? What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now me and my dad, we have obviously different social security numbers, different middle names. I'm not even a junior or anything like that. We're different. We're literally different human beings. Um, wow. That's amazing. Then that's really a big yeah. mistake. Cause you would think like, there's like a Danny, a Danny junior, Dan, Danny senior. Right, that exactly. Maybe there's, you know, no, but no, completely different. Not to mention that I lived in different states from my dad at, at, from multiple points. I had lived in Arizona for a long time and he lived back there and they were, we were both doing different things. And even during my childhood where I lived with my mom for a while and then moved back with my dad. So all this stuff. And it took me a year to have them separate and to prove that I was who I said I was. And I was faxing because you couldn't, you, you know, you had to fax and I had to find a fax machine. Now, I have no idea how fax machines work, but I had to fax right. them documentation. I mean, I always get shocked when I still have to fax things. It's like that's that's like the hit over the head when you get hit by somebody like, oh, your company is no longer relevant or it's a yeah. government company. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. Like, yeah. Whenever you it's have to worst. fax something, you're like, what? Like, what is this? I hate right. that. It's the worst. So. It took me a year, and then I could finally pro- proceed. By that time, I my, my the car they had they had um, you know my interest and my it was so high or whatever it was crazy. But anyways, so it took me a year to figure out all this stuff and separate my my dad and me on my credit reports. So anyways, what's interesting now is you know ten years later, so ten years almost to the day, you know Equifax had this huge data breach, and they have all that information that they not only get incorrect all the time that we give them no permission to have, but they're this big triopoly of them. They're too big to go away because the system is broken. They not only are up in Congress, and it's actually quite interesting. You can listen to the hearings because they're in this big court proceeding. And I'll link to this Vox. Maybe oh no, it was a outline podcast. I'll see if I can link to it. It's very good. And um, what's really interesting is that the CEO resigned, but he was the one that went up to the Supreme Court. But they're like, well, why are you even here? Why are you apologizing? You're, you don't even work for the company anymore, right? <laughs> You're like, so technically, so weird. The, the company's not even apologizing for this. And what's crazy is that then afterwards, the same day that the CEO went up to the Supreme Court or whatever to testify, the uh, FBI, I think it was, or the, one of the other federal agencies gave Equifax like a hundred million dollar contract non-compete for their security software or something, which is crazy. But what's interesting in all of this, above everything that I've just told you, is that the reason that this data breach happened is because someone forgot to update a piece of software after months of being notified that it's been needed updating on one of their servers, it's Apache Struts, which is, um, I don't know what it does, but some, um, some, some, some software that they were using. And that's where the gap was. And then they, you know, they lingered on the let it go for weeks back and forth. So should you be worried? I think, every, I mean, in general, we should always be worried about all of our data being absolutely everywhere out of our control. Um, it's, it's kind of bananas to think about, but me, I don't think I'm going to live my life uh, and, and, you know, be worried well, about I always, and lock I, all my credit. I, I live my entire life. I type every Slack conversation like some super ambitious young NSA lawyer is going <laughs> to use it to, you know, I know I'm kidding. All right. I, you know, I always joke that I'm a non-auditable entity because they're going to be like, this dude had kids at 20 and like, what a train wreck, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't, I just like. There, everybody can find out everything. I, I, I have a hard time getting as stressed about this as I probably should because, um, because I, I also tend to subscribe to the theory that those who stand the most to benefit the most from like these security breaches are the antivirus, anti-security companies, you know, the identity theft companies. And I just, the whole thing is so frustrating to me. It's, it's so disappointing when people are able to take who you are and control who you are and actually decide what you're able to get based on these sort of, you know, made up credit scores, right? We joke about how money is essentially made up digital numbers Mm -hmm. anyway, these days, right? I mean, we don't really, and you know, it's what it's what needs to happen to make the world work to a certain degree. But there's so many theories on this. You know, you've got, you know, financial analysts and experts. You know, you got Richard Duncan, these guys who are all about the moment that you've gone against the gold standard is is the beginning of the end for the, you know, for the for the the world that we live in here in the in the Western Judeo-Christian society that relies on this sort of free market that also has government imposition. Right. I, I don't even know where to go with this, because basically it comes down to who watches the watchers and the smartest people are normally the ones working for the private entities, right? It's the definition of the big short, or that's the whole premise for what happened, right? Is you've got the government agencies trying to regulate this stuff when, honestly, it's like, you believe the government can regulate Facebook on like an antitrust level in terms of the data mining that they do about their users? You don't even think that anybody there is capable of understanding Facebook's like 
advanced algorithms and how much they know about all of us. Like, as far as antitrust goes and as far as what these companies are able to do in terms of measuring our activity, both on the web and anywhere that data is available, I, I have a hard time believing that anybody who doesn't want to get that data can't get that data. Yeah. So I the mean, question is, why do they want your data? And I, you know, maybe one day I'll be the victim of an identity theft thing, and I'll, you know, it'll cause a really big inconvenience. But if it did, I don't know that it would really change my opinion. That it'd be the same if like a horrible accident happened to a family member of mine. Like it would be horrible, and it like it would make you really motivated to make a difference. But in the bigger picture of things, like millions and millions of people have zero control, and most of them don't even care about their data or information. They don't even know that that's what they're giving Facebook or that's what they're mm. giving Equifax. Yeah, they want to use and, the service, and that's right. It. And, and who's gonna and who's watching Equifax? As you said, no, we didn't give them permission. Apparently, the government gave them permission, and now the government is is investigating this and they're the ones who are going to be the the watchdogs for Equifax as you said while they're you know literally speaking out of both ends of their of their mouths and out of both ends of their pockets so you know it's that's very a, frustrating. I guess I guess you it's and I both It's very frustrating. It's yeah. frustrating. You know, I it think just, it's, it's what just it is. It's frustrating. Yeah. I was I was listening to uh, an, another podcast recently and not only just about this Equifax thing how frustrating it is but just like hearing you right like having no control having not anyone I was I was on a plane listening to a podcast about being on a plane and how it's the best and worst because like planes are you know it's cheaper to fly than ever there's more routes than ever and things like that but then how everyone hates it because you have no control you're always waiting in line like you've you know not, there's there, if something happens there's nothing that you can do about it, right if someone you know gets your you know hacks your your data essentially there's not much that you could do to prevent that that much because equifax is the one with the data right it's not like we're going in and we're securing equifax at this point but i do think that there needs to be accountability and i think that we do need to care about it i think that's what's important in our you know our listeners that are worried about it. it's like well you know we should not we should care about it and you can always email your representative too i think that's an important thing too is you can always email them and be like hey i'm really you know you should care about this. And there's a few mayors out there and a few congressmen that are actually still going after. I think Equifax is going to pay over time, but I don't know if it'll be a reform or anything like that. It'll just be interesting to see because we're going to keep seeing more and more of these. Just literally today, Heather sent me an article how T-Mobile um, got hacked today, like literally. And I don't think any data got breached because the hacker, there's some good hackers out there that actually like find an exploit and then tell the company and then give them time to fix it. And there was some URL that if you just had a phone number, if you had the person's phone number, you could get a bunch of their data by updating a URL. It's like the weirdest hack or whatever. I, I that think I've most seen. of the hackers are in that. I mean, a, a guy mm -hmm. who I know listens to our podcast and, and follows me on Twitter, this guy, Graham, uh, Graham Cooley, um, he's, um, he writes a blog and kind of a hacker news blog just about all kinds of security breaches and stuff. And you and I know Luke's company and yet, right, has their, has a whole, the whole lift department of their, you know, that's literally what their company does and gets hired to break your site and tell you what you need to do better. But, but then, you know, then you've got the <coughs> Russians. <coughs> no, I'm kidding. Sorry. That was a funny <laughs> political joke that was unnecessary. Uh, I'll tell you, you what's not unnecessary. People, yeah. We yeah. have got to get to some listener feedback before we're done here. I'm ready because that was already one. I mean, that was Kelly not only asked about Equifax that sparked our interest, I think, in me even researching when I see that come in. But also, yeah, I'll, I'll read this one because I think this one is more about you than it is about me. So um, this is uh, Danger Danny. I don't know unless you yourself, Danny, wrote in. No, I Danger Danny sounded really weird, but he didn't sign a real name. That's his username, apparently. Yeah. But Danger Danny, at first I get worried, like, is, is this like a subtle threat? Is he a stalker? Like Danger Danny, Danger Will Robinson, but I... I'm gonna I'm gonna say no based on the message that he wrote. Yeah, he says that um, that he's been a fan of Chess.com for years, Natch, um, but only uh, been a fan of us since the show started. So that's good. I mean, was a fan for 25 episodes since the beginning. Right. You, that's how you preface that. You say I've been a fan since the beginning of Coffee House right. Blunders, right? Um, and he's a fan because he didn't really realize uh, or know anything about international masters, chess personas, everything that comes around the world of chess. And uh, listening to the show really got him interested in getting um, into more of the chess scene, more than just playing chess about being in the chess scene. You just want to write this note to thank us uh, for piquing interest and watching more stuff on chess.com slash TV, um, especially the very first time he tuned in. It was you and John Urschel, and he was blown away, and he said that you instantly gained a million cool points. So now you're up to a million. Um, That's cool. With this collaboration. <laughs> so he said, keep it up. So now you got a million cool points in your bucket. Going from zero to a million. That's a one. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's a million percent gain. 
Yeah. Or a, is that, I don't even know if that's how it works, but that's a lot. Um, first of all, thank you, Danger Danny. That's really fun and cool. And yeah, John Urschel is, um, John has been like the, 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 the most fun, most amazing, most interesting, just like sort of surprise person in my life over the last year, year and a half. And we're actually, we have become, uh, very good friends and we text each other like almost every day. And like he's, uh, he, you know, he's almost, he's a father to be. Uh, he's, you know, just retired from the NFL and he's, and he gained, it's really weird because the moment he came into, into, into like the chess world, it was because he reached out to me on Twitter and said, Hey dude, I'm a big fan. And I'm not saying that out of any brag. It was like shocking. Right. I'm like, who's John Urschel? And then I looked him up (laughs) and I was like, Holy crap. This guy's like a, you know, pro bowl, like lineman. And he's, and he's getting his PhD in mathematics and advanced mathematical theory from MIT. I'm like mind blown. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So then we just start talking and we get into chess shows and anyway. So yeah. Thank you. Glad you're watching. I'm, I'm going to read our next one from uh, the one, the only, the most regular. If our last guy, Danger Danny, was a longtime listener, first-time writer, I think Kelly Palmer is going to get an award for... Um, again, Kelly, could you confirm next time you're a girl or a boy? I, I'm pretty sure you're a, you're a guy... But Kelly, I just like, I just, I'm like always trying to be non, non, um, what is it? I don't want to presume anything. So that's why yeah. I say that every time. But he says, dudes, I love four player chess. You can blunder a queen and still come back and win. I'm up to 1344, which I can confirm that's pretty good. Um, and I refuse to team up. First of all, you're doing the right thing. Teaming up is not right. I never team up and I always get ganged up against because I join a game and people are like, oh, it's Daniel Wrench, it's Daniel Wrench. Like, let's get him. Like, seriously, it becomes like a ox, oxbow incident mob rally every time i play and i'm about to cross 1600 so i'm only a few hundred points ahead of you and it's it's very very hard to 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 continue to gain rating points when when people really want to bust you up it's like a game of risk honestly the game strategy is very similar where you have to be very careful not to overextend yourself in four-player chess even at the the short-term gain of getting a few points on the board and you think you're going to win you know the long-term game of of things is really important in four-player chess so Love yeah, them. I've been playing a few more games and I will say I've not teamed up with anyone. I like to play it straight and it's so confusing enough. I don't even think I could even process attempting to team up with. <laughs> I felt the same way. I'm like, I don't think I could be a productive teammate. Like, I don't yeah. even know if I'd be making the right decision. I don't think so. I, I couldn't. I just I, I there's how it kind of works now, too, is you have a little bit more time to think, which I appreciate. But at right. the same time, it's not a lot to try to analyze my if i had a partner although i mean that actually would be a good variant if if four player chess comes in doing a 2v2 four player chess yeah we've had a lot of requests and we've already talked about it um we don't even feel like the original game is mastered yet not the things that most power users would or say most users would notice but the real power users have noticed a couple of the things we still need to fix. Like there's some some weird things that can happen when it gets down to 1v1 scenarios. There's some weird things that can happen with stalemate and draws. So we're still, that's why we still have that sort of beta message anytime someone joins because it's our, you know, beta message is a get out of jail free card with, hey, we may change something tomorrow and we don't really want to hear about it. Because <laughs> on chess.com, yeah. every time we change something on the main site, we got a million users like, what? You changed my favorite <laughs> way to access this. Even if we're like, it's accessible through seven different more ways it doesn't matter yeah, right but when you have matter. a beta sign you can say hey We're four player chess it. is still a work in progress and we may we may even adjust the scoring we may do things yeah. you know to make it better that's cool yeah I'm, I'm i'm pretty stoked about it because it's a whole i mean i think that's the way, right way to do it is keep iterating until you're happy i mean the game of chess didn't happen overnight i don't know the, tr- the story of chess or how chess came about but i imagine that it wasn't just like one developer was like dude check out this great idea and then chess occurred right um, yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah. um the uh the game of chess i don't even know that's another i'll look it up more i know a lot about it but i want to i want to find out some facts that i don't even know where where it started but yeah it's, have you have you ever i was watching blade runner like i said last night have you ever played a game um, this is just coming to my mind right now have you, have you ever played a game where you either like sent someone via mail or via audio like called them and like played a game of chess remote i mean i know you can that's date it's called daily chess but have you ever pre daily chess a daily chess.com yeah have you had daily uh, chess where you would mail like a piece of paper and say well yeah that E4. that was the original correspondent you mean like before chess.com i mean yeah for you i think though, the initial the original the original correspondence online i want to give credit where credit's due was not chess.com i believe the first site that had 
turn-based games where it was multiple days per move was actually Red Hot Pawn, which I think is still a site. Red Hot Pawn is, is around. And Sounds so saucy. I always, I feel like in the position we're in with chess.com, sometimes because we're so many people's first experience to chess, um, because of the power of our domain name, it'd be easy for us to take credit. But despite what maybe some say, we really don't do that. And I, I know there were so many great chess servers doing it and doing different things better, you know, little things. But Red Hot Pawn's niche thing was daily chess and forums. So anyway, they were the first, but before that, yeah, no, correspondence chess is a very, very big thing. And, and it has been for years. It was the ICCF, the International Correspondence Chess Federation. Yeah. That is a mouthful, but it is a real thing. Um, and correspondence chess is, uh, in fact, there's this, there's this really, really great, hilarious, uh, comedic i gotta find the thread for our next episode where like two guys playing correspondence chess where one of them makes a move that like the other person misinterpreted because of the way he wrote it on the pen and it's oh, like a true story yeah and it's about how like the stakes continued to raise and they're like really like frustrated resentment of each other because they're both like playing a separate game anyway it's a really funny read but uh yeah so correspondence chess was a real thing the iccf um sort of organized it as an official dumb to kind of bring the the structure together and there were iccf world champions there is no longer really an iccf um sort of not not popular in any way uh event mainly because everybody can play correspondence online mm -hmm. and everybody uses uh tons of resources where the average person is so much better than they used to be um and it's very very hard frankly for those you know i think chess.com our, our technology is you know proprietary but it's for most sites, I would say that they are not doing a very good job detecting cheaters in, in online chess, those who are using an engine. And so if both people are just playing with an engine, it's engine versus mm. engine. It's not really yeah, human, not fun. Yeah. you know, studying the game. So, so yes, that is, it was done for years. The ICCF is a big thing. Um, you know, now online chess makes it so easy, but email chess was also a big thing before even Red Hot Pond. People did, you know, just it, email was just what? It's just correspondence online, yeah, correspondence right? Correspondence so, so did yes, you do that? Um, did you do that ever? Did you like email people? I, I never people did or? that. No, I no. think I my my generation. It was like one of those things where I'm a, I'm like you. Like I'm a part of that generation where by the time like the internet was establishing itself, I was still a little bit too young. Like I wasn't instantly mm. hopping on AOL. I was twelve, right? Like yeah. AOL. Like I didn't need an email yet. But then by the time I was ready to like really take over the online world, like things had just gotten so exponentially better, right? I mean, there was. I think that I think that chess sites were were already rolling by the time I was even allowed to be on my own computer. Yeah, you know, I remember um, the AOL rooms where you could maybe it was Yahoo rooms. There was like Yahoo game rooms. It was yep. basically AOL chess, but you could go on and you could hop in a virtual game room and play. I don't know if this still exists. I have to assume I, they do somewhere, but I, yeah, I did that. I used to do that. Yeah, there's a really funny story about a um, a domain battle I had with Microsoft. I, I got to save that for next week because I know we we're pushing the limit, but that's a good teaser because next week I have a really if I'm gonna try to make it over. Remind me of the story where I bought a domain name and then was threatened legal action by Microsoft themselves by the so, company that I'm wearing a hoodie of currently. Right, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I and love I, that. Okay, here's the I'll Tarantino it for you. Okay, the twist ending. I still own the domain. Name. <laughs> Boom! Boom! Pop, pop. Dropping it on. Microsoft to end the podcast. Mind blown. <laughs> All, All right, right man. Buddy. Well, this has been a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Right. See you. Love you.